Don't you ever take for granted the privilege of getting to go to church. That's under attack. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a much-needed subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can check out and read. Take a look at our Facebook page, which is growing more and more every day when you type in at Our Mighty Fortress. You can also visit our website, OurMightyFortress.com, where you'll find all the media there as well, as well as the PayPal link if you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here. Sure appreciate that. Of course, if we've helped you some way through this work, please tell us. We'd like to hear about it. You can reach us at ourmightyfortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I would like to address a type of philosophy that pervades throughout our country's policy decisions, even down to the local level. It is a philosophy that ends up providing the wrong solutions for the problems that we have, not only in America, but in our local communities. We're going to dissect what I call the human nature versus education. And this is also the source of many of the nation's social problems as well. The subject can easily take hours, let me tell you. But instead of getting bogged down with tedious subjects, I want to strive to keep it as concise as possible while giving you the meat of the subject. I really want to exercise your critical thinking skills. As we start to unravel this theory, one will start to see that it's not a sure foundation that we should be set upon. We're also going to address how to solve the problem and how this solution will revolutionize the nation. With that introduction, let's get right into this. The United States of America was founded with the idea of a government that provided equality to all men. Now, this was a very, very unique idea. Even in ancient Greece, where the idea of a republic originally started, you still had a distinct difference between the social classes, even when it came to the Roman Republic. But America was the grand experiment, the best that man could put forth as, as much as a government they could form. There were issues going on at the time when this government come together that really had to be hashed out, like slavery. 
but when the constitution was implemented it was going to put to test that word equality and it sure did less than a hundred years later when we fought a bloody civil war over a topic like slavery but then there were other things that had to play out in history and in different battles and constitutional battles but the biggest thing about this all of it was set upon christian principles that's very important because government the form of government as well is different from the moral foundation in which it's set upon now one can say well what about a theocracy well i guess you could make a case there but a monarchy even a, a constitutional republic even like what we have the moral foundation is distinctly separate from what goes on in the government and as we see now the more that we walk away from the biblical morality the more our government just seems to be more and more in moral chaos and we'll talk more about this as we go on while the government the constitution created saw that no certain church would take over the state like what had happened in europe at the time mind you it automatically assumed that Judeo-Christian moral principles were the foundation. And this is very important. The founding fathers, none of them, I mean, none of them did not want Judeo-Christian moral values a part of the nation. I mean, it's etched throughout our nation's capital. Many of the founding fathers were not Christians. They had a different view of Christianity where they... Um, didn't like the miraculous and that type of thing. But there were many who were born-again Christians. But even the ones that would say that they're not Christians in the literal biblical sense of the gospel, they wanted and adhered to a biblical morality as having being the foundation of America. There was nobody during that time that was going to refute that. And even somebody like Thomas Paine, who wrote one of the most influential pamphlets during the American Revolution. He was rejected once he spout all sorts of uh, atheism right after the revolution. Uh, many of the founding fathers took 10 steps back away from him because they didn't adhere to his moral values and to throw Christianity out. It's also important to note that the founding fathers who wrote these particular wonderful documents we have did not have the Quran in mind, nor did they have Confucius or any other of their religious books, except for the Bible. It's also important to note that none of these men were particularly fond of a non-religious people. For instance, John Adams said in relation to the Constitution that freedom is only for a religious and moral people. Many of our educational institutions in early America arose, like Harvard, 1636, and many more, like William & Mary, Yale, University of Pennsylvania, and Princeton. These were religious schools, mind you, religious universities. It is important to note that these educational institutions from this time and even until the 1900s taught the foundational moral principles based upon Judeo-Christianity. Now, all of that would change later and as America rejected God. But that's important to note in our nation's history. The point I'm demonstrating is that there are two distinct branches. Yet the institutions knew that you can't just educate a man with information on a trade 
but you must solidify his moral foundation through the word of God because that's what's going to bring him through life. As time progressed, that moral foundation began to change and it came when we wanted to push God out of the schools and out of our society. And, well, look at our society today. Our educational institutions today teach that morality is basically subjective and that it's not absolute. Now, of course, a lot of this is based upon ancient Greek thought, especially from Aristotle, which is particularly anti-God. But I will say this, it doesn't take somebody with a particularly high IQ to figure out that if you teach morality is subjective or you just take, let's just say you take away laws to control man, you're going to have a moral shift happen in the culture. Unfortunately, there are quite a few intelligent men and women confused by this very concept. And there is a basis for that because they hate God. They want to reject God. There are a few facets to this problem, but we're going to deal specifically with the philosophical shift that took place and how it affected our school systems, K-12, through as well as the colleges. If you take a look at the public school systems today, especially K-12, K through they're a complete and total mess. Now, some states are worse than others, of course. But the entire public school system is an utter mess. Not only are they a haven for all sorts of debauchery with drugs and immorality, but the education granted to the students has diminished drastically over the years. We can easily see this through the progression downwards in education with the SAT and ACT scores. Each school system has its own set of problems with varying degrees, but they all near advocate for more and more money. They say, well, the problem that we're having is that there's just not enough money in the schools. The prevailing thought that plagues our policies of this nation from the federal branches down to the local governments is that education will fix people. Education will make people moral. But that's wrong. It's believed that education will make kids be not only successful in life, not only to have a job, but it's going to make them productive members of society. But that's only half the story. And there are news articles that state that, well, we've proved that by spending more money on students, it raises test scores and it makes poor areas better by getting them into college. But what they don't show you, or they do show you, but they're just a little quiet about it, is on the flip side is that, uh, the ACT and SAT scores are lower than ever before. And that college admission rates, yeah, they have gone up, but that colleges are actually lowering their standards. So it's not that people are becoming more educated. It's just that colleges lower their standards to let the people in because the education system in America is so terrible. You see the contradiction? On that note, not all school districts receive the same amount of money federally or from the state. And this has caused a social rift among the socioeconomic classes, the upper, middle, lower classes, for instance. And this is especially true with the generally white and minority districts. They claim that, well, that's racism and uh, that's why certain school districts get more money and that's why it seems like white schools get more ahead in life. Well... These districts are generally poor and they do have higher crime statistics. 
This is according to HUD.gov. The argument says that these communities are kept poor and that the system is rigged against minorities and therefore poverty and crime abound. They say that there are not equal opportunities for people who live in these areas, so they just have to live a, uh, a life of crime <laughs> because their education equates to morality. That's their way of thinking. Of course, this is fed by the critical race theory that teaches that you know these people are still somehow enslaved to a power structure. Critical race theory is all through the lower grade systems as well as throughout most colleges. Most colleges. Now, I can't with absolute certainty say all colleges, but most colleges teach that garbage. It's quite prominent teaching in university systems, and that's how you get departments like women's studies or queer studies or even African-American studies. It's not what it seems. None of which actually even get you a job to pay the school bill, by the way. A major push is that a dead racist and misogynist men's policies still haunt us today and that that just needs to be broken it's absolutely amazing to me because as critical race theory has progressed and all of these people are brainwashed in schools and colleges uh you know this racist narrative progresses forward now you've got people who will come out i mean professors and people with phds and useless you know areas they, they claim that science, technology, engineering, and even math, you know, the STEM fields, those are racist. They're racist against black people, minorities, because they can't get into those fields, and most of them are filled with white people or Asians. They don't want to count Asians, though, which is funny. That in itself is racist, but that's another conversation. The claim is that the scientific fields are racist because, well, we don't just have enough minorities in there, so... You know, the, the standards just need to be dropped in order to level the playing field. Now, that's insane. Imagine what would happen to our scientific fields if we played identity politics and lowered the standards. I mean, think about it. After years of affirmative action, which is distinctly racist by definition, by the way, and is terrible, terrible policy, why hasn't the overall the statistic change in America? A person who might be on the left side of the political scale is going to say, well, it's because those people were just not afforded the same opportunities. Then right after saying this, they'll just go on and link that this causes minorities to stay poor. They have no choice but to get into crime. Remember, education is linked to morality. The majority of white people, okay, the majority of white people are not wealthy and they're not running corporations. So what happened there? They talk about all this white privilege. You know what? <laughs> Let me get some of that white privilege because I must have missed that train. <laughs> the system was built up to raise white people. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to work for every little thing coming up through the military and uh, everything that I have in my life I had to work hard for. That's distinctly racist. Well, according to some people, hard work is racist. <laughs> word for word, by the way. If there's one thing that is certain... Never before in our country's history has there been more African-Americans, not only in the most prominent positions of power in America, but some of them are the most richest people in this country. 
Dr. Vaudi Bauckham, who is the Dean of Theology at African Christian University, said, quote, Black people in America are the freest and most prosperous black people in the world, end quote. If America was so racist, then how did a black president get elected? Think about that. Now, somebody could make an argument and say, well, all the black people of America came out to vote for the only black person to run for president uh, for quite some time. Well, that you can maybe make that argument the first time around, but the second time around, you had more white people vote in both cases, but it was more distinct, especially the second term for President Obama. So, wait, if America is so racist, how did President Obama get a large portion of the white vote? See, it doesn't make sense. So the question has to be asked, is the problem with America is that it's racist or is it something else? Brookings Institute published in 2003 that there are three ways to have a higher rate of staying out of poverty. These were graduate from high school, get a job, and don't have children until you're married. Through this study, it found that the majority of the impoverished broke one or more of these simple rules, and it caused them to fall behind economically. All across the board and people groups, they're failing in these three categories. Some groups are worse than others, but all are trending downwards as our nation's culture declines. Are we not surprised that such values also align with Christianity? Where do you think they got that from? Are we not even more surprised that when we walk away from such values that our culture degrades and basically eats itself? I don't think we are that surprised. If it was that easy not to be poor by just following three easy steps, then why aren't people following such a model? I mean, does it actually work? Of course it does. According to the study, it did for many people. The ultimate failure of the institution is to understand and be honest about human nature. Human nature is different from their education. The morality aspect is taught at home within the family. That's how God organized the system. Husbands and wives don't stay married for long and they're divorcing now more than ever. And there are many people who just don't even get married at all. There's not even a solid family unit anymore. That's sure not being uh, pushed in today's culture. Much of, much of the culture has descended into deviant sexuality where you can't even say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. You have homosexual practices being taught uh, to kids <laughs> with for an obvious purpose. And such little kids can't even uh, decide what gender they are. I mean, you've got an eight-year-old that says, you know, he's a, born a boy and he wants to say now that he's a girl. And so they're just going to go ahead and give him, you know, hormones to change his gender. Mess the kid up for life, which statistically leads towards suicide, mind you. Many children who even go through the education system aren't really taught about the importance of education in general and they just drop out anyways or they just don't take school very seriously. Many of these life choices keep people in this circle in which they can never get ahead. These are moral choices. If you've been following along so far, there's going to have to be a few questions that you're going to have to ask about what we're talking about. I mean, what does money and education 
have to do with a person's moral character. As I said from the very beginning, these are two distinct and separate branches unto themselves. But the political left will conflate the two. Just because, just because a person lacks grade school, high school, or a college education doesn't automatically mean he or she is going to be a criminal or lack moral character. There are plenty, plenty of uneducated but moral men and women. These two concepts aren't even linked logically, so one can't even provide the likelihood of, of such happening. You can make the case for an area being impoverished because of racism, but that doesn't explain the moral accountability. Let's just say that it's true that black communities are having funds withheld from them specifically for the racism aspect. Let's just grant that as being true. What does that have anything to do with their moral character? Why can't black daddies and black mommies stay together in, in marriage? Why can't they raise sons and daughters that have moral character? Why can't those children grow up and go and be moral people who, by the way, are going to love God and follow his biblical principles because that's the only way you're going to be moral anyways. And guess what? This used to be the case back when Jim Crow was still a thing. And guess what? The black family was more intact and not degraded as much as it is today. So what's the difference? The schools had less money back then, but you had closer family units and less crime, mind you. Also on that note, if I remember distinctly in the early 1900s, you don't read about black gangsters running the streets like you did about the white gangsters in cities like Chicago and the like and New York and, and those type of cities. You don't hear about black gangsters. <laughs> so there's a definite problem with logic there. We also have to keep this in mind. There are plenty of people who are well off economically who commit crimes that are larger in scale. In all actuality, what college tends to do if you're criminally minded is expand your vision. The Christian evangelist D.L. Moody once said, quote, if a man is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track and in order to change him, you send him to college at the end of his education, he'll steal the whole railway track, end quote. What is he saying? You're going to see a difference right here between human nature and morality. The capacity to do good or evil, as well as the means by which a person's visit, vision changes or enlarges with education. You may have an uneducated person who commits maybe petty crimes, but there are highly educated people who commit crimes that are greater in magnitude. Must we go down the politics of American history of some of the criminals that have been in politics, some of them utter geniuses? The moral framework of a nation, our nation, changed and it walked away from the Christian principles in which it was founded. This also took place across a socioeconomic scale. The impact was so drastic that almost all categories of the family structure were damaged. Instead of teaching absolute moral values in schools through biblical teaching, biblical principles, 
Children are instead taught nonsense that minorities are disenfranchised and whites are better off by default. They're taught that America is racist, that there is no God, and that um, America is not great. They're taught that they are not made in the image of God, so they can choose to be any image they want to be. One leftist speaker said they, quote, turn into a zombified collective fighting a boogeyman, end quote. The natural inclination of a person from birth is to sin or do wrong. And this is the sinful nature that's talked about in the scriptures. Is the true nature of man evil at its core? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's only the power of God that's going to change that. The sinful human nature affects every part of us. As I mentioned earlier, education cannot fix the moral character of man, and it doesn't matter how much money you throw at him or his schools. The scripture states in the book of Romans, chapter 7, and verse 18, quote, For I know that in me, that is my in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not, end quote. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this passage, is talking about how his sinful flesh arises, and even he, the Apostle Paul, battles with it. Charles Spurgeon once said, quote, As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom in our nature. It is so sadly there that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived, end quote. They say that nature abhors a vacuum, and that's so true. When the principles found in the Bible were thrown out of the home and the government institution, is it not a surprise that the culture degrades and evil abounds on all sides? Of course, the easiest thing for man is to blame shift. Hence the, oh, we're just not getting enough money. It's racism. The only way to solve the problem is to fix the moral character of our children, which, in turn, fixes the culture. You're only going to do that through Jesus Christ and biblical morality. You have to have children and families that are together. They're born again. They're Christians following after the Bible. And for those skeptics that say that it doesn't work, well, it seemed to have worked the first 200 years of this nation's history. It sure wasn't humanistic or Islamic values that freed the slaves in America. It was the Christian values that inspired William Wilberforce and Great Britain to end the slave trade. Later, Abraham Lincoln, who would be inspired by William Wilberforce, would work to end slavery once and for all in America. Lincoln was also a dedicated Christian. Of course, in the early nation, there were a lot of things that had to be worked out. Not everybody was a Christian. Not everybody was going to adhere to that type of morality. There were things that had to be worked out, like slavery. And like I said, less than 100 years later, we had to work that out through a bloody civil war. But God won in the end. It also took time to unravel a lot of the other things that came after that. But wherever God is at work, Satan's at work as well. And we see over time and in pivotal instances in our nation's history where there were dramatic moral shifts. The problem with America is not racism. The problem with America is its moral character. Christians 
more than ever in our nation's history, it's time for your voice to be heard across any influences that God has given you. Some people choose social media. Some some choose podcasts like myself and others. Others preach and teach from pulpits or churches or just from even city corners. It doesn't matter if your voice comes from any particular platform, as long as it's biblical, of course. But it should be coming from your voice. You have to stand up. But when you, we are living in a very dangerous time. And I understand you have to be wise. The prophet Jeremiah did stand up in the face of politicians and even his own people who eventually wanted to kill him. But we should note that even though Jeremiah did stand up and did proclaim the word of God, God protected him from any type of harsh punishment from the people. Sure, he had to get kicked around a little bit every now and again or criticized or whatever, but they didn't take his life. God walked him through those fires. God walked him through as he proclaimed the word of God. So imagine what he'll do for you and me. We are to be faithful to God in preaching his commands, and God will sort out the hearts of men. We just preach. You're not called, I'm not called to change anybody's heart. God is going to be do, going to do that, but we have to preach his word. Great works of God are not performed if we hide at home and just hope that this all passes over. It's not going to pass over, but instead it's only going to progressively get worse. Also, make sure that you make time to make that change in your own community, not only through giving out gospel tracts and reaching out to people, but Vote in your local government. That's how you start to make change. There are so many policies uh, and propositions that come up in the state. Well, vote on those things because that's where taxpayer money is going. Turn down a lot of these heathen uh, practices that are going on in the schools that they vote on. Not everything that talks about funding schools is a good thing, by the way. They often use funding schools as a cover for something else. It's usually in the fine print of that book that they mail you that nobody ever reads. They often use that line to get votes as well. As a nation, we spend more money on education than almost every other nation in the world, yet it's never enough. There comes a point in which you have to ask where all that money goes to, by the way. And if you follow down that rabbit hole, that opens up a huge, huge study. You're also going to find that our school structures are very top-heavy with administration uh, folks making six-figure salaries. Meanwhile, you have individual teachers that are paid very poorly. But on the flip side of that, you have teacher unions, which are extremely powerful, and they don't allow garbage teachers to be fired, which perpetuates a terrible school system. We would be wise in how we vote to be able to change our communities. But we also have to understand that money is not going to fix the moral character of our communities, nor is it going to fix a nation. That is God and his word that's going to be able to do that through us as a Christian. And as time progresses, we have been terrible at fighting back against evil. We have this peaceful hippie attitude because we have the wrong view of who Jesus Christ is and what he expects from us. That's a whole subject into itself that I'll have to do another podcast on. But it's important to note that we should be peaceful, but not at the expense of evil prevailing. God expects us to.
to stand up for what's right. Once again, that's a concept for another time. We are close to a breaking point in America and what I truly believe will be actual persecution that's going to come and affect the church. Stand up for biblical values now in your community. That's how you're going to be able to change the environment. That is what we're going to do to see people's lives change, families brought together as they become born-again Christians. That's how we're going to change the states that we live in and eventually change the nation. Remember, being smart doesn't make you moral. Only being a born-again Bible believer following the Word of God is going to do so. I want to thank you for listening, and be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.